Welcome to the Cherry Becker Tax Beat, a conversation about tax that matters. Welcome to this edition of the Cherry Becker Tax Beat podcast. Today's topic is new market tax opportunities and supply chain realignment. Uh, we've been doing a series of these podcasts on uh, on supply chain issues. Uh, previously, we've looked at sales and use tax considerations uh, when companies are onshoring, relocating, or expanding the operations. Today, we'll take a deeper look at the financing opportunities that we have as companies realign their supply chains. Um, so, joining us in this conversation today, as always, is my trusty friend, Sarah McGregor. Say hello, Sarah. Hello. It's good to be here. And also, Pete Byford, a leader with TAG by Cherry Becker. So, Pete, why don't you introduce yourself briefly? Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Brooks and Sarah, for having me on. I am a trained tax attorney, although I don't practice law anymore. I spend my days working in new market tax credit finance out of our Greenville office, although we work with clients all over the country. And just happy to be here and chat about it with you today. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Sarah McGregor, how's life treating you? Uh, life is good. It is February 1. Tax season is full in full swing. The snow has melted and uh, things are moving forward. So I'm looking forward to talking about new markets tax credit today. It's been a good thing for some of our clients. Well, I can't let this moment pass which is without comment on how great the NFL playoffs have been as well. So who, who do you want to win the Super Bowl, Sarah? Oh, I got I to gotta go with, uh, with Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. It's such a cool story. It is a cool story. I, I don't know if anybody could have predicted these two teams, though. All right. It'll be fun. Should be fun anyway. All right, so let's talk about new market tax credit. Uh, the program's been around for over 20 years. It facilitates essential investments in low-income communities and the businesses that support them. Uh, the program issues federal tax credits uh, to incentivize investment in these economically challenged areas. Um, it helps, the credits help drive lending activities. It's a very popular, successful program. September of 2021, the Treasury announced $5 billion in credits awarded to over 100 community development organizations to help fund all these projects. So let's uh, enter Pete Byford, our uh, consultant extraordinaire. Uh, give us your uh, 20,000 foot uh, view on the new market tax credit program, Pete. Yeah, so the new market tax credit program um, in some ways, just sort of thinking about it holistically is, is a misnomer. Sarah, for you, unfortunately, there's no particular form that you get to fill out for our clients where they get to take a tax credit on their return. Um, instead, it's really a public-private financing mechanism where the federal government, through um, organizations we call community development entities, uh, authorizes those organizations to issue tax credits in exchange for capital invested by investors. Those investors are typically going to be large banking corporations, uh, say PNC, Truist, Capital One, those size banking organizations who buy the credits from the community development entities who in turn inject capital into projects located in these new markets, these underserved communities uh, across the country. And oh, yeah, they're ahead. putting that money in via direct loans to those uh, 
uh, or uh, low cost financing, if you will. Uh, That's right. To those That's private right. businesses. So, so those investors take the credit over a seven year period. And during the seven year period, the, the projects in those low income communities receive that capital on the front end in the form of a low to no interest rate loan. Uh, they hold that capital, use it for expansion or equipment or whatever they're going to use it for. And then at the end of seven years, the investors have gotten their tax credit benefit. Uh, the community development entity has spurred some community good, whether that's creating jobs or supporting services or getting good goods for sale into those communities, which in turn means the government has energized a community that has high poverty or low median family income. And, and the program unwinds with the investor selling that loan back to the project for a nominal fee like $1,000. So cash on day one, clean up your balance sheet on day one of year eight. So how does the program, how is it tied to the local community as opposed to some other other situations or, or just general financing? Yeah, so um, it, it's a highly competitive program. As Brooks said, $5 billion uh, was issued recently to 100 of those community development entities. And $5 billion is a big number when you throw it out there. But when you really think about 50 states plus the territories, you think about some organizations focused on healthcare, some organizations focused on industry, some focused on education. All of a sudden, that project volume gets small really fast. Um, and so these community development entities are picking projects located in the most distressed census tracts, creating the most good benefit. So they really tie back to major impact in a local community. And how do you fit in and, and tag fit into this this model? Because we're certainly not one of those big banks. <laughs> so we um, we actually work. We like to say we work on all sides of the new markets industry, depending on the day. So I've talked a little bit about these community development entities that apply for tax credits. We write applications for a number of community development entities and then help those CDEs deploy capital. We do that for groups as big as um, you know, the, the, the city of Greenville, the state of Alaska's oil company Bidco, down to very small community organizations, the city of Danville, Virginia, a tiny rural community in southwestern Virginia. Um, and, and so that's one way we participate. Another way, we actually have a community development entity where we invest in projects in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Tennessee. And then finally, my particular team represents projects seeking to access that capital from the CDEs and the big bank investors. All right, so I, this is all fascinating um, and, you know, it's a really, it can be a difficult concept to understand how all this works, but let's tie it back down to our topic of supply chain. So how are new market tax credits effective in being a financing vehicle, you know, for companies that are planning strategic moves uh, surrounding supply chain? Gotcha. So, so first and foremost, think back to the purpose of the federal government's goal. Um, one of the things they're looking to do is create jobs in low-income communities. So typically industrial areas are lower-income communities. You don't typically see million-dollar houses right next door to smokestacks. Um, and so what we find is often 
industrial organizations are located in qualifying census tracts. Typically, when they're thinking about supply chain changes and strategic thought, if they're not offshoring, they're onshoring. So they're either vertically integrating or they need a partner organization to come in and co-locate with them, or they need another widget stamping factory, or they need another 100,000 square feet on their existing stamping factory. Um, and new markets tax credits can bring capital to reduce the cost of constructing new facilities as one example. Uh, yeah, speaking of examples, you've worked with several who've done done this kind of build new facilities. You want to talk about a couple of those? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll throw out some what I think are kind of cool examples. One, um, we just closed a project last week for an organization. It actually is a third party real estate developer, but he was doing a build to suit solar powered battery operated manufacturing facility for the production of um totally motorized electrified medium duty equipment so you think about a bobcat or a forklift or something like that historically that's a diesel powered machine these guys are making battery powered equip medium duty equipment and their manufacturing facility has solar panels on the roof and a battery system that so it's completely off the I mean it's tied to power, but it's off the grid on day to day manufacturing. They never would have been able to afford the solar and battery systems in that building from what they were able to pay in rent without new market tax credits, bringing about three million dollars of extra cash to the pile, along with traditional debt and equity used in a development project like that. So, that sounds sounds very cutting edge as, and fits right along with what we're talking about getting new new production and new supplies here in in the U.S. going. Yeah. So, but, so Pete, you know, as a consultant, I mean, have you do you or should I say, do you find that you know companies are sitting there trying to decide on supply chain issues and they're actually calling you to the table and this is part of the decision making process? Can I get new market tax credits to make this happen? Yeah, and, and so another example of a project we did where we were in early at the table, Brooks, to help them work through, um, this was a multinational company with a facility in South Carolina making engineered hardwood flooring. And they were spending about seven to $10 million a year on freight bringing fiberboard. If you think about a laminate flooring, a, a wood laminate flooring, um, the meat of it is fiberboard, high density or medium density fiberboard. They were spending seven to $10 million a year trucking that fiberboard from Alabama to South Carolina. And they were considering, do we want to relocate our flooring plant closer to Alabama? Or do we want to figure out a different way to bring it in from, inter from one of our international manufacturers? And part of the consensus was they were willing to invest the capital necessary to build an HDF plant in South Carolina because we could buy down the cost of that overall plant with tax credit equity. So, you know, our examples and our conversation seems to be you know, really focused on using new market tax credits for facilities. Uh, from a supply chain perspective, does it go further? Is the reach broader than that? It is much broader than that. Uh, you can go a lot of different directions, 
the the great thing, and this is a rarity in in what I think of as statutory development, the federal government didn't really say what you could do. They said, here are the seven or eight things you can't do. Other than that, we're going to leave it up to the CDEs and the local communities that need the investment to figure out what to invest in. So you can do things, for example, you can purchase machinery and equipment. You can per use it for working capital as a part of your expansion. If you need inventory access, you know, lines of credit for inventory, uh, you can use it to acquire another company and continue your expansion through acquisition. Um, so while we typically think of and what if you Google new markets, you're going to see a lot of real estate projects. They're really very flexible financing tool. So uh, uh, you mentioned the the plant that used for the solar uh, powering and battery backup. What other kinds of examples of, of equipment or this ex, uh, out, out of the box thinking and in financing? Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you two examples. We're working uh, right now with a company that's going to actually onshore the manufacturing of generic drugs and um, machinery for making injectable drugs is very expensive machinery and meeting FDA guidelines for clean room manufacturing facilities uh, is really tough. And so um, we are actually just participating in the financing of the medical manufacturing equipment, leaving all of their real estate and the remainder of their assets free and clear. So as they need to borrow, because um, that's part of the conversation with a CFO, right? It, this comes in as debt. What's it going to do to my debt to equity ratio? What's it going to do to my ability to borrow from a, you know, from from a cash flow perspective? Um, and we helped talk through all of that, but we were able to just specifically finance some of that specialty equipment. Similarly, uh, we did a baking facility. So instead of FDA, we were dealing with um, with, with with other organizations, USDA, OSHA, that sort of thing for clean cooking manufacturing, big industrial cookie baker. Um, by the way, that's a great client to have as a cookie baker. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we actually helped to pay for all of that um, clean services equipment within the larger facility expansion. And it doesn't have to be just uh, just industrial or just the production side of things, uh, distribution, uh, resale. You've covered some areas along those lines, too. That's right. That's right. So we've done um, a, a huge array of projects. So we have um, a company called Rooms to Go. We actually did about um, 400,000 square feet of distribution space for them in in North Carolina. Uh, we've done sawmills in Alabama and Louisiana. Um, you know, th there's really a wide range of job creation. So whether that is in your supply chain, making more of something or transporting something or packaging and shipping something. We worked with a, a company in, in Memphis that specifically needed new packaging systems to get their product to market. They had they had people literally hand taping boxes together and putting jars of, of stuff in it to get it out to retail. And when you're sending millions of units at a very small profit per unit, getting automated packaging equipment in can make a tremendous difference in your overall profitability. 
uh, and manage those um, labor issues that everybody's having at the moment too. Absolutely. So, so those kinds of projects are really great. I would say typically we work on projects that are in excess of $5 million for one capital spend. Um, that's because as I've talked to you about this idea of you've got an investor out there and a community development entity, there are some complications in the closing process. There are costs associated with it. And, and sort of on a net net basis, new markets can bring 15 to 20% of your total capital spend. Um, but you really need to be north of 5 million on that capital spend for it to get the efficiency necessary to get that benefit. What's the what's the life cycle like or the or the timing cycle for uh, something like this? Yeah, so so in a perfect world, um, community development entities like our CDE is filling out an app, just filled out an application and eagerly awaiting announcements sometime next fall. They want to know about projects that you'll be ready to spend money on this time next year um, so that when they win, knock on wood, they're ready to spend. Similarly, from a consulting standpoint, as soon as a project has an identified geographic location, we want to step in and start marketing that project to all of the CDEs in the country that would be interested in that project because we never know which of those are going to win in this in, in this application process. So um, typically the timeline is when we meet a client um, or a project is ready to move forward, New Markets wants to be in the conversation six to 18 months before groundbreaking acquisition, you know, whatever the particular use is, um, sort of that six to 18 month is a nice lead time. So, Pete, um, it's hard to pick up the local, even a local newspaper, and much less a Wall Street Journal or a business trade, a periodical without supply chain being a headline somewhere in the you know, from front page or the first few pages. So, in all the, you know, you're consulting with dozens at any, you know, dozens of potential new market tax credit users at any time. How how often is supply chain a topic of conversation in that? I mean, just it it's it's really constant, and and um, the reasons for that are you're hearing about supply chain and difficulties in the chain, or you know, those types of issues, but also all the other things you're hearing impact supply chain. You're hearing about construction costs being at an all-time high. Um, you know, and, and your own supply chain is an issue, but part of the reason it's an issue is because raw goods are are behind schedule. So you're thinking about machinery and equipment with steel and all of that in it. That's more expensive. And so we're constantly hearing from folks, we want to fix our supply chain. We need to consolidate, expand, whatever their storyline is, but cost is just prohibitive and new markets is a way to attack that. Yeah, and your engineered flooring, it wasn't a matter of bringing onshore work. It was a matter of, you know, uh, hundreds of miles uh, traveling goods that that made a well, difference here. If you're in South Carolina, bringing it from Alabama is kind of bringing it from on, bringing it onshore. But <laughs> <laughs> but um, um, but in all seriousness, yeah, it was the idea that that stuff is really heavy. And putting it on a truck for 300 to 500 miles is really expensive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so they were looking for a way to overcome that. 
All right. Well, this has been a really excellent uh, discussion. Uh, Pete, you have any final closing comments you'd like to wrap up with? Um, no, other than, you know, we you said we're working with dozens of folks at a time, but we're always happy to jump on a call and talk through with people as they're thinking about supply chain and, and the issues they're confronting. We're happy to throw out kind of how new markets might fit in and, and you know, how we might be able to assist. And, you know, I just appreciate you having me on for today. All right, Sarah, anything on your end? I think that's that's all for today. Yeah, so I, I just, from my side, I, I would say this is a, you know, a new angle of supply chain that is, you know, I think not typically entered into the CPA world's a way of thinking about, you know, a good way to tackle, you know, tackle some of the business issues and using our tax system, even though, you know, I hear you loud and crowd, loud and clear that it's not really, you're not taking a tax credit, you're using tax credits to help finance, but nonetheless, it's a way of using the tax system to try to, uh, to solve the supply chain issue from a business level. And it uh, definitely is, is we talked about earlier, a strategic planning yeah. uh, question to ask. How are we going to fund this? Can this can new markets funding be a source to help us as we move move forward? So if folks are in the in that strategic planning side or drawing near, it's never too late until you actually sign all the all the deals to see if there's some new market money. Well, Absolutely. as all as always, Sarah, you said it much better than I did. So. <laughs> all right. Thank you for listening in on our discussion of the new markets tax credits and supply chain. Uh, quick disclaimer that we are not providing tax advice on this podcast. Please consult with your tax advisor, hopefully at Cherry Beckert, with your specific tax issues or to discuss information from today's podcast. Check out the firm's website at cbh.com. For the latest guidance and materials on this and other tax and business topics, this concludes today's podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you, Pete. Thank you, Sarah. And thank you, our listeners, for spending your time with us. We truly appreciate it. Let's call it a day and go forth in peace.